Hello. Thank you for joining me and listening in on this podcast where I interview guests on all things education. My guests will share stories about their educational background, their views on teaching and learning, and where they see education heading. I interview teachers, edtech founders, higher ed folks, and more. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, hello, this is Nati Rodriguez, and I have with us Maricela Cruz Trevino. Um, I am interviewing her today uh, about education. Um, I've known Mari for several years. We went to school together and both did the same teacher, teacher credential program at Stanford. Um, since then, she's um, done several different uh, roles in education. And so today we, we're going to hear a little bit about them. Thank you, Mari. Thank for you for me. having me. <laughs> So I'd like to first start off by asking about your own education. I think I would like to start with um, kind of things that uh, I did at home that I think were uh, set me up for success uh, or the way that my parents viewed uh, viewed me and my education. Um, when I was younger, my dad would always have me do math problems and and do uh, multiplication and long division, couldn't use a calculator, and we would just do it for fun. We would take apart uh, old typewriters and try to put them back together. So that was something that was um, interesting because it was just another, you know, using your mind and and seeing yourself as someone that figures out things. Um, so that was pretty interesting growing up. My mom um, was really good about uh, kind of supporting me in my, I guess I would say, addiction to reading. Um, I would read all the time and I loved you know, these little series books, and we'd go to uh, half price books. Well, it wasn't half like a half price books at the time, but it was like this little old woman and this little old man that would sell uh, reduced price books. And we would go there and they would give me extra books because I bought one or two from them. And so um, they really tried to, I guess, uh, feed that love of learning that I had early on. And when I was in first grade, no, second grade, my uh, mom noticed that I was bored and um, not, you know, not really engaging in my classroom because I felt like I had already learned a lot of the things that they were teaching. And so after that, she decided that she would go talk to the counselor and ended up um, that even though I wasn't in their talented and gifted program, based on my test scores, um, they decided to skip me a grade. And I think that shaped the rest of my educational experience from there on because I started to look at myself as, I guess, I don't want to say like, I started looking at myself as smart, um, as someone that uh, was good at school, that was good at testing, and it just really shaped my school identity uh, from there on. So after that, um, that was, uh, I went to a academy school, and then I went to a school, uh, a magnet school for high school. And so I really think that that started the uh, that that started rolling the ball for me in education and and even if maybe I wasn't successful on let's say one test or something else I had like this you know belief in myself that I could probably with hard work figure it out and so that was my you know educational experience my high school was really rigorous um, I think I took fourteen APs. And that was, a, you know, more or less average at my school. 
Um, and uh, I was really into the math and sciences. That's like where most, most of my fives came from. And those AP tests were like calculus, physics, anything that was math or science based was where I was, uh, you know, felt most successful. So that was mostly my experience with education. Um, and then Stanford was kind of, um, I didn't expect to get in at all, uh, despite the fact that I didn't, you know, I thought that I was pretty average uh, in comparison to the other people that were at my school. Um, but, you know, I think that was that I didn't realize that I actually had a lot to offer. I would say that uh, I didn't ex- I didn't expect to get in because, you know, around right around high school, um, I started to have like, I guess, low self low self-esteem with myself in education uh, because I didn't talk the way the other kids in the classroom talked. And um, I couldn't, you know, f- formulate my sentences clearly the way they could. I couldn't think off the top of my head. And so I started getting this idea that, you know, maybe I was not as smart as the the kids that were in my classroom, you know, but it did take, you know, what I did realize eventually is that, you know, I actually had, you know, something to contribute education wise, you know, I did actually really well in my classes. And, and like I said before, math and science were, were things that I excelled in and, you know, later was brought back to uh, help other girls uh, get interested in physics. So, there were things that I didn't realize about myself, um, education-wise, that, you know, that it was very different, my understanding of myself when I was younger and then in high school, um, how I started to view myself education-wise. Um, I think it changed a little bit, probably with adolescence and, um, you know, overall insecurity. But um, I think it was good preparation for going to Stanford where I would be facing that all the time. That's my experience. Got it. And um, I just wanted to go into a little bit of detail. So how you ended up getting skipped a grade, that was your mom, right? I would definitely say that was my mom because I came into that. It was just a regular public school. Um, I came into that public school for first grade. I was in Catholic school for one year in kindergarten. And uh, hold on one second. Thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. Sorry, my son came to give me uh, a Black Panther toy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, that, that he got from these little eggs. Anyway, um, yes, that would I would say that was definitely my mom. Um, I had uh, the it was a regular public school that I went to from first grade through sixth grade and kindergarten. I was in Catholic school. I'm not really sure when I learned how to read. I just feel like once I was lucid and, and could remember, ha- start having memories, I felt like I already knew how to read. So um, I think that once I got to second grade, you know, I was bored and I told my mom and she was definitely my advocate. And um, when talked to counselors, they didn't even have me in their talented and gifted program, which is supposedly for kids that were advanced and you know, maybe I would never have been in that program or skip a grade, definitely not skip a grade without my mom um, going and, you know, talking with someone about, you know, my educational experience. And, you know, I think about that, you know, the, the privilege of being able to feel like you you as a parent can go in, that you have enough uh, agency to go talk with the counselor, 
you know, I also look at, at that too, um, just the, the privilege of being able to speak English and, 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 and advocate for your daughter. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I suspect that I wasn't in the talented and gifted programs uh, because I don't think anybody really saw my uh, potential before. And it wasn't until they looked at my test scores and after my mom had talked to them. So um, that was interesting. And, and what, where did you go to school? What state? Uh, in Texas. Got it. Okay. Um, do you remember and how, and how would you describe your greatest teacher? I would have to go with um, Mr. Correa was uh, my English teacher. And also we had a class called Senior Thesis, which is where we had to write um, our own thesis paper to get us ready for going to college and writing you know, large uh, 30 page papers. So um, he, what I liked about him, he was not a tip, well, I, not a typical teacher at all. He was very sarcastic and, and joked a lot, but behind that, he truly cared for his students. And uh, he was the teacher that forced me to sit down and write down six colleges because I was the last person to, um, I guess, write down the six colleges that we were going to apply to. And uh, he and I, you know, I guess that insecurity that I felt I, you know, hadn't chose any because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to try to do any schools that some of the other kids were trying. And so he forced me to sit down and uh, and he said I would not be able to go into my next class unless I wrote down these six colleges. And so I think that was defining because, you know, I had to write quickly and you know, whatever popped out of my head. And Stanford was on that list uh, because I had received a paper from them um, through the mail. So I just put it on there and the rest was history after that. But I just, um, he uh, he just generally cared for the uh, students and he was easy to relate to. And, you know, even years after, um, even seeing him on Facebook, he keeps up with his old students. Um, and I think even officiated a wedding of one of my uh, good friends from high school, too. So that's yeah. great. Um, and uh, seeing as how you had all these different experiences from Catholic school to um, public school to a magnet program and then to Stanford, uh, what do you view? And also, as your uh, with your teaching career, what do you feel is the purpose of education? Um. I would say there's two things. One is, you know, survival. <laughs> you need to know how to read. You need to know how to do basic math. Uh, you need to have a basic understanding of how, you know, science or any, you know, different things work, the basic stuff. I think that is necessary for just survival in our society. And then I think there's the other part, um, which uh, in my Montessori um, uh background that um that I have I'm a early childhood um Montessori teacher and in that they talk about the reaching the spirit of the child and um I also view that as part of our responsibility as educators um to not just work with kids on skills but also to make them feel like they can mess up and try again that they can um, take risks and you and and know that there's uh, being able to feel that you are part of a community of learners to feel 
that you are working with others to figure things out, that you were um, able to be curious about something and and see to what end it will go to. Um, those are the those are the things that I um, feel are important in in education and and what I try to do with my own kids as well. Um, those are those are the two things. So survival and the development of the spirit of the kid, I think, are important. Got it. Um, uh, so you mentioned you being a Montessori teacher. Is that what you're doing now? Right this very second, I actually um, I do freelancing for a company, uh, which is actually pretty cool. I'm usually a math teacher and usually only focus in math, but this is uh, pretty interesting because they work with newspapers. Uh, they take work with newspapers, take the articles, and then uh, break it down for different grade levels. And then they um, have people work on assessment questions. And so I work on the assessment questions. I create them, and I also edit other people's questions. And I love it because it's, um, yeah, the kids have to, you know, do, uh, you know, core curriculum based standards and all that, but they're doing it about things that are relevant, what's going on uh, in the country, um, you know, what, uh, what is happening around the world. They're able to practice those skills, but, uh, but be able to do it with something that's interesting to them uh, and is real life. Um, So that's what I'm doing right now. And then as, as a job, and then with my kids, I'm homeschooling and I put that in quotes uh, because I, you know, it's not like we follow a schedule like 9 a.m. wake up and we do this for an hour or anything like that. Um, my kids are relatively young still, four and two. Um, so we spend a few hours a day uh, when uh, I kind of feel, and usually actually my son is the one that says I want to do my hundred board or I want to do uh, reading. So he's the one that kind of uh, is the one that lets me know when he's ready to do some kind of lesson. And I um, take a lot of Montessori materials and I make them myself uh, for my sons. Uh, my other one's two, not quite two. So he's doing more like working on puzzles and um, kind of watching his older brother and absorbing that way. So uh, loosely, I'm homeschooling right now as well, in addition to doing the freelance work that I mentioned before. Got it. Got it. What are your thoughts on, um, so I went to this, uh, seminars actually put on by Stanford school of education, uh, graduate school of education. And they talked about the big challenges that they see coming in education, which are these views of, um, rights, utility, and knowledge. And it's about like, who has the right to what education, um, it's how useful it should be, right? Is it skill based? Is it preparing them for a particular workforce or, um, you know, certain jobs, or is it about gaining knowledge um, or some some combination of the three? Um, I know you work with much younger kids, <laughs> um, but have you given thought to uh, this kind of debate about um, schools not preparing students for the coming workforce? Uh, yes, I have some thoughts. Definitely I'm not an expert on anything and I've kind of been out of the educational uh, debate realm um, since, you know, for many years now. Um, but I would say that my thought, and I, I always do it based on what I want for my kids now, um, I would like 
if my kids ever enter a traditional school or any, you know, school other than my own homeschooling program, I would want them to be able to, um, to, to think critically. I'm not a person that has ever been a fan of, um, you know, the standardized teaching, giving out homework kind of thing. I definitely am more about exploring what, uh, what drives you, uh, you know, I was a high school teacher. And so I felt, um, I felt a certain pressure to um, cater to testing versus um, understanding. And that was very hard for me, uh, because I felt like I need I needed to give them some type of uh, kind of more, um, how I I guess more reason behind what they were doing, why they were learning it. And it was, it was pretty hard to balance those things. And I don't feel like, um, many, I, I think this is a hard question for me. I feel like I'm not doing, answering it. Maybe we come back to it. I don't feel like I'm doing it very well. So. Okay. That's fine. I'll go on to the next one. So what do you teach your children? I know you mentioned that you are teaching them a lot of the skills and the philosophies around Montessori. As they get older, how will you decide what kind of school to put them in or will you continue to homeschool them? Yeah, that's, um, that's, um, the decision that, you know, we feel like we'll, um, reevaluate in a couple years. Uh, right now, our circumstances, um, we're in Mexico right now, uh, potentially not knowing when, when or if we could go back to the United States, um, kind of leaves me uh, with an uncertainty about, you know, exactly what kind of education I'm going to give my kids in the future. But um, I'm kind of a person that's flexible. And if I see that what we're doing is not working, I'm ready to um, put my kids into something that will be better for them. If I see that my kids are flourishing in the homeschool environment, um, then I will continue it. Um, back to the question about whether or not, uh, whether or not, uh, you know, what what subjects I'm going to be teaching my kids or what things I'm going to be teaching them. Um, a lot, you know, there's like I said before, the survival stuff, you know, the reading and the, you know, basic math skills. But I want to engender this kind of curiosity in my kids. And um, we were doing like a random lesson on magnets because my son realized that these magnets that he had stuck to the refrigerator. And he decided that he was going to go and put this magnet and try it on everything in the house. And then he wanted to go outside. And we spent, you know, 30 minutes or more just trying to see what the magnet would attach itself to. And he was gleeful and excited and happy and and interested and I didn't have to force a um I didn't have to force a lesson on him and that's um that's kind of the Montessori what attracted me to Montessori was that uh, mostly yes I did have to make sure that my students got to a certain level or was improving in their own way but I followed the child uh, which means that I looked at what were they interested in, what were they um, doing well, what were their strengths, what were their weaknesses, and I would guide them to uh, things that I thought that would help them improve or or make them more curious about whatever uh, whatever it is that we're going to work on that day. And so, 
that's how I approach it with my kids. Also, um, I'm very much about um, my kids play for several hours a day outside. Um, I think that they need to get that play, that um, moving their body, their um, getting dirty with their hands, touching, you know, rocks and sand. And, and, and they spend a lot of time outside because I think that, uh, I, and, and there's some science behind it too that I learned, but, you know, just those big body movements, especially at the age that there are, they are right now, is really important um, for them. And, you know, lastly, I want my kids to take risk um, that they know that they try something and they mess up and they can try again and it doesn't define them. And I think that's part of the, the issue that I have, you know, putting them eventually into some regular school is that, you know, idea of, you know, a test, you know, telling you who you are, what you're going to, where you're going to go, what you will become. Uh, it's hard for me when I, when I see so much um, joy and curiosity that my kids have for learning right now at a young age and for it to, ex- you know, be extinguished uh, by some type of program, or if I don't pick the right school or the, or the right set of teachers. Um, so that definitely informs my decisions. But I mean, my son just turned four, he's already reading, you know, he wants to read. I don't force him and say, this is the hour that we sit down and we read. uh, Because you got to be reading now. It's more like he brings the books to me, he picks out, you know, I want to work on my puzzle of Mexico, where he puts the states of Mexico together in a puzzle, he'll work on that you know, every day. And then also to have things where he works without me. Um, I want my kid to be an independent learner. So I try to have lessons and materials that he can do uh, on his own. And also my my uh, almost two-year-old is starting to get to that point where he can work on his own, on his little own projects that he has. So um, that's, you know, how I view educating my kids for right now. And, you know, it, it, it's a luxury to be able to be able to decide that we are going to um, homeschool. And I get that, but I want, I definitely want to make the most of, of this time because maybe it's only going to be a couple years and maybe it will be their whole educational experience. Um, but I just love to see my kids excited to learn I don't want it to go away. <laughs> Unfortunately, my husband really supports me um, and trusts me with their education. So that's uh, has made it uh, very easy to do that. We are both kind of um, in agreement about, you know, what's best for our kids. Got it. I have two questions that you touched on, and I just want to clarify for people that don't know. How long can a student be in Montessori? And then the second one, if you're open to it, if you mind sharing a little bit about why your time in Mexico is uncertain at this point. Um, So Montessori, um, so it starts off with in the womb almost. Um, There's, you know, there's programs that sometimes uh, parents can go to with Montessori teachers. And then it goes to uh, when they're pregnant. And then it goes from zero to, I would say that, Montessori herself pretty much thought that everything should be finished around the time that a a child's around 12. So most of the things that we um, want our students to learn um, by the time they finish high school, many Montessori kids, you know, especially, you know, if they've started the program 
since they were younger might finish by the time they're 12, more or less. Um, uh, I haven't really worked with the elementary Montessori program, but based on my work with kids up to six years old, that um, time frame actually makes sense because a lot of my students left definitely with um, all of them had some degree of reading by the time they left my uh, kindergarten. Uh, many were already reading really well. Math-wise, many kids uh, not only could do addition and subtraction, they had an idea of physically what multiplication and division were um, and multiple digit thing, uh, addition and subtraction. So I feel like based on the way that it was working, that makes sense to me that it is possible by the age of 12 that many of the things that you would cover in a Montessori classroom that's well done um, uh, might be what most kids will cover up until the age of 18. So there's not really Montessori high schools. Um, there might be a few, but I, I haven't really heard of them. So they usually go until um, kids are, uh, the highest ones would be to 12. But most programs um, are really up until six years old. Uh, most people put their kids into public schools after that because there's not a lot of elementary programs for Montessori. And um, you know, it is sad. I really, I mean, I wish I had known about Montessori in a way before. It definitely would have shaped um, how I put education uh, from the very beginning. Um, just the hands-on, the, you know, going at your own pace. I, As a teacher, I had to know, you know, where 20 to 30 kids were individually. And I loved that because I knew each of my kids very well and I could guide them where they needed to go. So, um, so with the, the Montessori program, um, yeah, I would say that mostly it ends when kids are 12. And Montessori, I believe, recommended that once kids are around 12, which is around the time that adolescence happens, that they go work in the field um, because there's this like need to go back to your body um, to go do manual labor to, I mean, it sounds really weird, but the idea of going back to the earth um, and, and working the earth with your hands again was something that she felt um, around adolescence uh, would be important. You know, you making your own business. I think there was a lot of suggestions kind of around what happens once you're, you know, hit adolescence as a Montessori student, but I don't think there's any high schools or very, very few. And then um, for uh, why my uh, why we're in Mexico right now. So uh, we're in an immigration process right now um, for my husband, and it didn't go well almost, I guess, two years ago it was. And so uh, right now we're trying to do an appeal for him. Um, so we're out here in Mexico uh, waiting to hopefully um, have their... Um, I guess whatever ruling reversed on on his because um, he went to an interview to get his visa and based on um, someone's interpretation of something, my husband is now not able to come back to the United States. It's been um, it's been difficult. I think mostly because it has separated our family. Um, not only not only am I talking about you know, 14 months that me and my two sons were separated from him because we were trying to make sure we don't lose uh, our business and everything that we have in the United States, but also that I have two stepsons in the U.S. that, you know, 
can have been able to only see their father very limitedly. And it's just, um, it's just been hard, but hopefully we should have some, um, hopefully we should have some kind of answer by the end of this year, um, about where we're going to be. So that's why, um, yes, like everything's kind of uncertain about, um, you know, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to teach my kids. I mean, even similarly, I think (laughs) my friend was making fun of me because I was like, well, I feel like my son could have been reading way before if I wasn't dealing with all this other stuff, which is fine. You know, er, you know, my, my son has learned how to be flexible, how to live in another country. So I try to look at everything as a, a learning experience. Um, and so that's how I view this. We try to, um, we try to go around to different places and learn about the, the state we're in San Luis Potosí. So trying to learn more about the state and, uh, the different, um, types of, um, uh, well, I mean, there's like subtropical parts of San Luis Potosí, the arid parts, just learning about it has been, uh, and Mexico in general, we've tried to go to different places and, and really, um, take in the culture and, and the experience that we're having here. Um, so I also view that as part of my kids' education as well. Plus all the time that they get to spend with their family here in Mexico, I think has been really, uh, awesome. So, um, there's been some negative parts with separation of family, but I think also, um, some positive things that we're trying to get from the experience. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that that's happening and the uncertainty of it all, but what I remember most of about you is your uh, positive outlook on life. And I'm sure it's a blessing that they have you as a mom in during this time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, um, I try to look at things from positive because other, I mean, you know, I, there's a quote that says it's not the load that breaks you. It's how you carry it. And so I, I always keep that in mind. Um, whenever, you know, we're, we're lucky, honestly, because at least my kids are able to be with dad, you know, for part of this time, part of these two years, we've been with him for um, nine months out of the two years, some families don't get reunited ever, or for many years, just like my stepsons, you know, it's much harder. So I tried to be grateful about, um, the things that are, are going well, um, because there, you know, it could be much worse. So that's how I look at it. I mean, not saying it's right. My, we all should be together in Chicago and, um, you know, a family, um, all together. It's not right, but am I going to, um, you know, let myself get beat down by it? No. Um, because we were, doing the best we can. So that's how I look at it. Um, well, Mari, I think that's a good way to end this segment. Thank you so much for sharing about your thoughts on education, about your family, and um, and who you are as an educator and as a mom. Okay. Yay. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. This is Nathie Rodriguez, and I leave you with my favorite quote by Albert Einstein. The significant problems we face today cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them.